control of God's schedule. And the question is, what is next on God's timetable? What has to take place next? Um, There are a lot of things that could take place, but the one thing that God tells us is the next thing to take place on his timetable is what we commonly refer to as the rapture. And you might say, well, I've, I've heard that the rapture doesn't even appear in the Bible, the word rapture. Technically, the English word rapture does not appear in the Bible. Neither does the English word trinity appear in the Bible. Um, the word rapture means a literal bodily, the word itself means a catching away, a, a snatching away. Um, when we refer to the rapture, and we'll be looking at it tonight in some detail, we're referring to a literal bodily appearing of Jesus Christ in the clouds, to literally and bodily call out of this world every born-again believer. And you might say, you are using a lot of literal bodily terms there. Well, one of the things that you run into in, in dealing with prophecy is many times people want to allegorize or say, well, that doesn't literally mean that, it means this, but... You remember in Acts chapter 1, when Christ was ascended, that the angel appeared to the disciples as they were looking up into the sky and, wow, where'd he go? And and the angel said, this same Jesus, which was taken up from you, that means a literal body, this same Jesus will so come in like manner as you have seen him go. So um, that's one instance. Um, Another, and I invite you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, very familiar verses that are used to provide comfort to, um, to believers at the homegoing of a fellow believer. Verse 16 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then he adds, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So it is a literal. Jesus Christ himself will appear in the clouds, and those that have trusted Christ as Savior and have already died will be raised up first. And then, if the Lord were to come tonight, Um, then we that are alive and remain and have trusted Christ will be caught up in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, 
and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is what is referred to as the catching away, the rapture. That's what, what the word means. So, but there is a, there is a, often a confusion between the rapture and the second coming. In the rapture, the Lord comes, and you notice what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in verse 17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So the Lord is going to come in the clouds. We will meet him in the air. The rapture is different than the second coming where Christ comes and sets up his kingdom. And we want to we wanna show you some of the differences here. Number one, the rapture can be imminent, meaning it can happen at any time. There is nothing that needed to be fulfilled for the rapture to happen. In the New Testament time, it could have happened then. There was nothing that had to be fulfilled. Let me just quickly say, um, there's some that say the whole aspect of the rapture did not come about until the 1800s. That is not true. Um, we find it here in the New Testament. We find it in the early century Christians. There then came a, a philosophy into Christianity that allegorized much of the Bible and much that dealt with prophecy. And, and so teaching about it was, was um, very, very rare. But um, it, it has its foundations in the Word of God. And if you'd like more on the history of that, we'll be happy to give that to you. But the, the New Testament writers said the Lord could come at any time. Now, some say, well, wait a minute. What about Israel? When Israel became a nation, that is uh, another sign, people say, that um, we're nearing the Lord's return. Israel did not have to become a nation for the rapture to occur. Occur. It has happened. It is a, a sign toward the second coming because as we get into this study on prophecy, we'll deal with that more. But the rapture can happen at any time. Whereas the second coming is preceded by signs and um, there are definite things that will happen will We'll deal with those more later as we get into further into our series on, on um, prophecy. Secondly, the purpose of the rapture is to remove born-again believers and um, to remove the church. The purpose of the second coming is the appearing of the Son of God coming in victory and to set up His kingdom. The rapture takes place before wrath. We, um, we've noted, and, and again, many of these were given you an overview as we get in deeper to the study on prophecy. We'll deal with it more completely. 
But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9 says that we are saved from the wrath to come. The Lord catches away his believers and then um, the wrath of God is started to be poured out on the seven year period of tribulation to bring Israel back to faith and to bring judgment on the nations. The second coming of Christ where he comes to the earth concludes the wrath of God. It, it wraps up the wrath of God. It's the final act and it concludes the wrath of God. The rapture, as we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, should bring comfort to our hearts. As believers, it brings comfort. The second coming of Christ, when he comes again, that is bringing destruction. He is bringing the judgment of God and so on. Fifthly, the rapture, Christ is coming to claim his bride. We are the bride of Christ. As believers, we are the bride of Christ. He is coming to claim his bride. There will be the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then when he comes to this earth, he comes with his bride. So the rapture, he's coming individually to claim his bride. And the Jewish weddings would picture this. The second coming, he is coming with his bride. Um, we are coming with him. So the difference is there. Um, sixthly, the rapture closes the church age and begins or opens the tribulation. The second coming of Jesus Christ closes the tribulation and opens the millennial reign of, of Christ. A major distinction to help keep you, help you keep this in your mind between the difference between the rapture and the second coming. The rapture deals with the church, the rescue and the removal of believers of the church. It brings to an end the church age. The second coming of Christ deals with God's plan for Israel. So two distinct things. Again, I've got all these things going through my head, but we'll get to them in the prof, in the, our study on prophecy. There is a distinction between the church and Israel, although there's many today that say there isn't. Um, we'll get in and look at that later. So, what happens when the rapture occurs? Um, and reading what we've read here, the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Number one, many, I use the term many because it's not a few, many will suddenly disappear. I mean, just try to imagine this in your mind. Um, I don't know where you work, how many believers are there, but when the rapture, <laughs> Carol looks at Randy, they work together. You know? <laughs> if you're still around and you show up at Johnston Repair, you've got the whole shop. You can take whatever you want, right? 
But imagine this. At your place of work, the believers that are there are gone. Imagine in, in Lucas County, believers gone. Now, sometime my cynicism can, can take control. That may not be near as many as a lot of people think, okay? But at the same time, it's going to have a profound impact. And it will be interesting to see many, many believers are leaders in business and leaders in community and because they have a responsibility before God. So, immediately, many will disappear. And, you know, we can imagine all these things. Years ago, I used to see bumper stickers. In, in case of the rapture, this vehicle will be driverless. You know what I'm saying? How many of you have ever seen that? Okay. So, um, the reality is there, there are going to be some really bizarre things happen. Because immediately, believers will be gone. Secondly, it means there will be a great separation. There will be a great separation. The, the sad part about this, those that give lip service to being followers of Jesus Christ will remain. Those that are true followers of Jesus Christ will be gone. I shudder to think what that will be like in some families, in churches, in places of business. I I say that because God knows who truly belongs to Him. And and honestly, you know, we sometimes say if if um, if the rapture occurred on Saturday night, there won't be anybody here. This place may be more full Sunday morning if it did occur than than you could imagine because of fear. But there will come a separation, and people that know about Jesus can tell the story of the gospel, but have never personally called upon Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they will remain here and will enter the tribulation period an awful, awful, awful condition to be found in. A time of great, great separation. Honestly, one of the burdens of my heart is is that um, many that grow up in Christianity and they know the story of Jesus from the time they're three years old, but they've never personally called upon Jesus Christ, this will be a time of separation. It is, it is a time that... Um, There's no time preparing. This can happen at any time. It happens quickly, and it is a time of separation. Uh, my counsel to you tonight, and I don't say this 
to scare, but at the same time, it's a reality. Just because you know about everything and can give the right answers to Bible questions doesn't mean you're saved. And if you are not 100, 100% sure that you are a child of God, you are gambling with this and it is not something to be gambled with because number one, we don't know he could come tonight. And number two, it will be a time of great separation. And I, I fear that we've lost the urgency of this and we've lost the, the reality of this. Sometimes we just talk about, oh, the Lord's coming and we're going home. There's a lot of people that won't be going. Not everybody talking about heaven is going to heaven. And we need to make sure, number one, that we are, and then number two, be burdened for others. So when the rapture occurs, many will suddenly disappear. It will be a period of great separation. Thirdly, all believers are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When believers are taken out, the influence of the Holy Spirit is removed. Turn to Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two. We'll look in more detail at these passages in Thessalonians. Paul wrote these um, to correct and instruct them about when a believer dies, what happens dealing with the resurrection, dealing with the rapture. And and again, for sake of time, we don't have the time to go into all the details. But he had said already that um, this day should not overtake us as a thief because we we can see the the aspect that the Lord is preparing to come. But notice what he says. In verse 5, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, Second Thessalonians 2, 5, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 7, the one who now restraineth is, is an understanding that we can understand and relate to. The one who now restraineth, that's the Holy Spirit holding back evil, will be taken out of the way, and then shall the wicked one, the Antichrist, be revealed. The Spirit of God who dwells in believers is instrumental in holding back the evil in the world today. I used to think, how will they explain it when believers are gone? What will they explain And it used to, I thought, man, how are they going to explain this? Now, there's a couple of things. 
Number one, they'll be so glad we're gone. Unrestrained fulfillment of their agenda. We are the ones holding back and always bringing up abortion, always bringing up right and wrong, always bringing up... We don't care. They're gone. I mean, look at look at the the party platforms and see which one is at at least attempting to hold back evil, and which one says we're glad they're gone. Seriously. And and now I, I don't ever hear coast to coast much, but. Some of you do. You know that wacko program in the middle of the night. There are more people than you can believe that that really believe that aliens, and they'll be able to explain that, that aliens came and took them away. So the problem is not how they're going to explain this away. The real problem is going to be evil will not be held back anymore and... And literally, evil will have full run. We can thank God for the influence that righteousness has had around the world, literally. And and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit in you should be an instrument to hold back evil. But the Holy Spirit will be removed, and then people will believe a lie. I don't know... I assume that when the rapture takes place, it will have some economic effect. But I believe there is going to be major, major um, events take place that will cause people to believe the lie, to believe Antichrist is the answer, is the Messiah, is the one that will bring peace, will bring order out of this chaos. We're just starting to see the rumblings of the chaos and so on. And people will believe a lie. And um, notice, again, we don't have the time to go into it, but you read Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And it says, verse 11, And for this cause God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. They they will believe that Antichrist is the deliverer. They will believe that, and as a result, will usher in the tribulation and all that comes, and we'll be looking at that. So, what should we do? Number one, make sure you are a child of God, as we've already said. But turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. He gives us some instruction. But the end of all things is at hand. Meaning, it's imminent. The, the Lord could come at any time. So what should we do? Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. We should be serious-minded and watchful in our prayers. We should, if there's ever a time to pray, now is a time to pray. If there's ever a time to, 
to get focused. Now is the time to get focused with the reality of the Lord's coming to catch us away. So be serious and watchful in our prayers. Then notice verse 8. And above all things, have fervent charity or love among yourself, for love shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister to the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We should walk in love. I mean, the reality is, the Lord is coming. He is going to make things right. Um, I can, love can cover a multitude of sins. I can be patient with them. They may do things that kind of irritate me, but you know what? Hey, that that's okay. I, I'm going to see the big picture. For the cause of Christ, for the sake of His name, I'm not going to make a big issue of that. I'm going to be hospitable one to another. Um, and it's it's understanding. It's walking in love. And then he says, verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. And he goes on, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. So we need to be strong in the midst that there may be persecution. Don't think it's strange. Don't, don't grow weak in your, your following of Christ. Be strong and rejoice in that. So he, he says, with the reality that um, the Lord can come at any time and it will make a major difference, what ought we to be doing? Well, we ought to be serious and watchful in prayer. We ought to be walking in love. And that walking in love entails this person that doesn't know Christ as Savior. I love them, and I do not want to see them go through the tribulation and eternity in the lake of fire. I need to bring them the good news of the gospel. That's part of walking in love. That's why we're hospitable, to open doors so that we can minister one to another, so that we can bring the gospel. And and it's realizing we have been entrusted with the gospel. Now it's my responsibility to get the gospel to others. It's my responsibility to... um, And not only responsibility, but joy to be able to rescue them so that they will not be separated when he comes. Then turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Of course, we know it begins, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it knew him not. Then notice verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. When the Lord comes again, we don't even have a clue what it's going to be like. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Every man that has this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Every man that has the blessed confidence that 
Jesus is coming. I'm going to see him. I'll be made like him. Every man that has that hope should purify himself. I want to be ready. I want to be um, prepared. I want to be a, a bride that is ready and pure before the Lord. I want to love God, not the world. I want to love Christ, not sin, to be pure. And then this whole doctrine of the rapture should be one that brings us comfort. We read in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. To realize this world is not our home. The day's going to come when the Lord himself shall descend from heaven and we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and the very best thing you can imagine on earth cannot compare with the lowest thing in heaven. We will never, never, never be longingly thinking back, oh, I remember them Remember those good red raspberries we had? The fruit up there will make you forget your forget all chocolate. It'll make you there's nothing in in heaven that will make us not like it there and long for something here. And there is nothing here that is worthy of heaven. And we ought to be comforted to know. The Lord is coming again to meet us in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. No more injustices, no more diseases, no more pain, no more sorrows, no more brokenness, no more broken hearts. Absent from the body, present with the Lord, and to take comfort in that. Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that your spirit would would truly draw the hearts of any here tonight that are not your child. And Lord, that that truly the reality of the separation of the rapture would cause them to come to grips with the forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray If there is one here tonight that does not know you, I pray you would not give them rest until they call upon you for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, I pray for every believer here tonight. I pray that we would realize the urgency of the hour, that we would be encouraged and comforted and strengthened To not just to sit and wait, but to actively serve, to love, and to show the greatest love of all, to bring the, the gospel of the forgiveness of sins through Christ to those that don't know you. Lord, help us to not be weary in well-doing. Help us to be diligent and faithful. And Lord, I pray that we would be motivated by the future that we have. For we pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen.